talking about community discipleship today. And I want to talk about how, um, starting by talking about how I've been concerned over people's isolation this past year and a half. Um, you know, that's the one key piece that came up for me as I prayed and considered our church and you and as I thought about you. And I realized what it was about isolation that I was so concerned with. Uh, there's a billion sermons you can listen to. There's live streams. There's Right Now Media. We provide that for you. We have all those content pieces out there, okay? And I'm going to remember, why am I so concerned? And I realized that this online stream you're watching right now, if you're watching the stream or listening to later, uh, this other streams and, and, and millions of sermons that are out there, the problem with those things is that they won't make you feel any less isolated. They'll make you feel a little better, but it's not going to change your isolation of not being known, of not being loved and cared for, of not knowing somebody else. And then I kind of dug a little deeper, you know, why is it I'm so concerned about isolation and that people aren't going to feel any less isolated by just watching the stream or by listening to other sermons? I, really, I watch sermons from around the world kind of thing. Um, that when you're isolated and when you're just watching things online or listening to things, you know, you're going to stay stuck. You'll learn a lot. We provide things online, we're doing some more things, we're working on an app to provide more content for people, and those are great things, I promise, I'm all for it. But the problem with just doing it that way is in your isolation, you're going to stay stuck. And that's what I'm going to talk about today. I'm going to challenge you a little bit today, and I just turned 40 last week, so I heard that once you turn old, you can say whatever you want, so here we go. <clears throat> when you're stuck, you can't see well. You lose sight of whose you are, who you are. Uh, when you're isolated and people aren't around you, you don't have the help to keep the shame, pain, fear away. Those things start to begin to take over your mind and your thoughts. The lies become truth to you. And when you're stuck, you will continue to stay stuck except for one thing to happen, community. I want to talk about how community relates to your discipleship, to your growth following Jesus. And I want to pitch to you an idea today and hopefully challenge you today that would you be willing to get unstuck from where you're at through people, through community. And even worse, harder, not worse, harder, are you willing to help someone else get unstuck through community? This is not a come to church sermon. So let me stop you right there. Okay. Uh, this is not what this is. Uh, this is an opportunity being in church together. But you could argue that this necessarily isn't community. You could argue that. Having a service, having everyone listen to me. You can argue those things. So this isn't about coming to church on Sunday. It's not about bringing your kids on kids' church a couple times a week, a couple times a month. Don't misunderstand me. What we're talking about this month is relationships with people and building a community that's going to actually help you in your spiritual growth. Okay? It doesn't have to be church. It can be something else as well. I believe, and you've heard me say this before, but ultimately discipleship, spiritual growth, transformation, it happens in community. You could search through scripture, okay? People don't grow alone. And you say, well, what about the uh, Apostle Paul? You know, Jesus appeared to him. Jesus seems like a pretty good person to disciple him. 
And think about it. When Jesus appeared to uh, Paul on the road to Damascus and knocks him off his camel or horse or donkey, whatever he's riding, what does Jesus say? He said, hey, I'm the one you've been persecuting. Hello? And then he said, go find Ananias. Go find a person. You notice that? Isn't that powerful? When the Spirit falls in Acts 2, and there's 3,000 people to get together, what do they start doing? Meeting together in a spot that fills, fills 3,000 people? They don't do that. They start gathering homes and in, in smaller numbers, and but those three thousand people somehow are together in community. Right? I want to tell you that discipleship will not happen. It will not happen. It will not happen until someone takes off their mask and you take yours off. Forgive the illustration with face mask. It will not happen. You can listen to my sermons for the rest of your life. They're okay. They'll learn something. Maybe make you feel good for a little bit. But it's not going to transform your life apart from community. That goes with every Bible study. Uh, it goes with every curriculum. Uh, it goes with every book. And I read books. I follow curriculum. I've, I've been to seminary. I, I love learning. That's one of my top five strength finder things as a, being a learner. I will learn the rest of my life. I love it. But discipleship and transformation, spiritual growth will not happen outside of people outside of a community. I love prayer, you know this. I maybe love my prayer closet more than any other space in the world. My time with Jesus alone. That's my, like, my favorite place in the world, honestly. But I cannot grow and become who God wants me to be by staying in that prayer closet. I gotta be with people. I gotta take my mask off. It, it took me years to admit some of the things that Pastor Esther talked about earlier took me years to be able to talk to people about the way my brain works and my mind works and perfectionism and all these things. But I want to tell you, until we start doing that, you won't grow. You won't grow as Jesus desires. I ultimately define the parts of discipleship following Jesus this way. Believing what Jesus said, becoming like him in every way, including your heart, not just what you do on the outside that people know, but your heart as well. So believing what Jesus said, becoming like him, and being near Jesus, and that cannot happen without people. I didn't say pastors. I didn't say the educated in, in scripture. I said it can't happen without people, okay? This is God's plan for you. And this is God's plan for our church. I think it's God's plan for every church, really. Are you willing to get unstuck with, through, and by community people. Are you willing to help someone else get unstuck? Because this last year and a half, unstucks, are, I mean, a stuck is a great word. You're stuck at home, right? You're stuck in your car. How many times have you eaten out in your car? I've lost count. I mean, how many french fries are in our car, in our van? I just, the other day, instead of using a vacuum, I used a blower. I just blow it out of the van, you know? <laughs> We're stuck, you know? And I'm telling you, the way to get unstuck through this isolation through, is through community and people. So I'm going to say a few things today, and then I'm going to go over these things probably a lot in the next <laughs> few weeks. Uh, just turn with me. It's a common passage, Matthew 28, chapter, chapter 28, verses 16 through 20, the Great Commission. Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. I'm going to read this Great Commission, talk about discipleship a little bit, and I want to give you some reasons why. Uh, you can't grow and, and become more like Jesus and believe what he said and, and be able to be near him 
without being with other people. And I want you to grasp this, and I want you to, I want you to hear today that community, being with people, relationship is so vitally important to your life, to your spiritual life, that I don't care what the restrictions are. You have a mandate from God to be in community. I don't care what it is. Okay? Around the world, they can't meet in community, and they figure it out through persecution. We are under certain restrictions. We have to figure it out, church. I want to tell you again, because I'm older, I can say this now. You've got to figure this out. That sounds harsh and judgy. I don't know all the things you're going through in your life. I don't know this circumstance. I don't know what you've tried and what you haven't tried, but I can tell you we've got to do this, church, and we've got to do it this next year, and we're going to have to do it when the pandemic goes away, you know, like in 20 years. We got to do this, church. I speak from 20 years of experience following Jesus this way in scripture and teaching. I've got all that for you. Uh, and that's why my hope is to bring this to you and to help challenge you a little bit, okay? And Jesus says this. It's after his resurrection. And he's with his disciples and the 11 that are left, verse 16. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshiped Jesus, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Well, I've heard about a million sermons on this passage. And most of those have been, I would say, uh, applied incorrectly or interpreted in a way that I don't think fits really the context. That way, is that a nice way of saying it? Um, I'm older. They were wrong, okay, these sermons. I'm kidding. I'll stop making that joke. This is all about God's uh, ultimate plan of sending Jesus. He dies. He's resurrected. He's with his disciples that he's, Jesus poured his life into. And then he, Jesus is going to leave. And he leaves them. He leaves them with this command. And my concern is we use this passage for... Um, uh, themes and theology around evangelism. And I understand that, but I don't think evangelism comes first. I think discipleship comes first. I think Jesus invested in disciples first and then evangelism happens. And I'm going to talk about Jesus' model for discipleship in another sermon. But I believe that this isn't about evangelism. If you've heard a sermon about this, about evangelism, okay, I get it. Evangelism is good. But I believe this is ultimately about discipleship. And this is ultimately about following Jesus and helping people do that. And so I want you to look at this and consider that Jesus is saying, go help people believe what I told you. Help people become like me. You've seen me. You've seen all the things I've been through, suffering. You've seen me be doubted, betrayed. You've seen me be outside of the political realm. You've seen me be the enemy, but you've also seen me say some crazy things. You've seen me talk about the kingdom. You've seen me up, turn the world upside down with these things. You've seen healings. You've seen miracles. Let people become, teach people to become like me. And then, how to be near Jesus. This is what Jesus does with his disciples. Go teach them that. How to walk with me. Not ahead of me or behind me, but with me. How to walk with me. Okay. Jesus first. Here Jesus calls us to make disciples, not converts. This is a hard one for me. I remember being in high school and I was all about converts. And so I would preach the gospel in my public high school and give an altar call. I did that at one of my graduation practices with all the seniors there. And gave an altar call and had people accept Jesus and pray the prayer with me. I've done this 
Oh, so many times. I've done it on a street corner in Dallas. I'm preaching on the street corner. I've done it through other ministries. I've done it in churches, you know, and I do altar calls in churches and so forth. And then it's like, man, I, I was so passionate about that. Now I understand that Jesus actually called us to make disciples, not converts. And so I became less conversed, concerned with the number of converts and more concerned with how am I teaching people to follow him. The question isn't, uh, you know, do you want to go to heaven? The question is, will you follow Jesus? And Jesus says, teach people to follow me. Jesus does the converting. We do the discipleship. I get in these patterns like, man, I wish I could just get everybody to believe. Can I preach better? Can I, can I say something that's emotional or something to get people to accept Jesus as the Lord and Savior? No, 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 no. He does the converting. He's doing the converting in homes. He's doing the converting in cars. He's so powerful and his spirit is everywhere that his shoulders are big enough to carry that burden. What he has us to do is to teach people how to follow him because people need a person. Do you see that? I have heard so many stories of, of like Jesus appearing to people in dreams. Incredible. I mean, that's incredible. Just like with Apostle Paul. Jesus shows up. I'm like, man, this is awesome. Jesus showed up to me in different ways in my life. And that's why I converted. That's why I accepted. That's why I wanted to follow him. But he always has a person there to teach people to follow him. I had a youth pastor, a fantastic youth pastor in high school that discipled me. I had some leaders in college. I've had people in seminary. I've had, I've had people, people, people. And this is our job, to make disciples, to teach people how to be near Jesus in a pandemic. Oh my goodness. To teach people how to become like Jesus when the world is just lighting you on fire. How would Jesus respond, right? To still believe when you can't see Oh my goodness, how do you believe that God is still in control with what we see? Okay? How do we believe that God is in control? Forget the pandemic with your own suffering you've walked through in your life pre-pandemic. Remember all that? That's still there, by the way. It's still in your heart, right? This is his calling. Okay? Secondly, Jesus called us to teach what he taught us. The number one response I get in my years of, of ministry when I talk with people about discipleship and suffering others, they say, well, I don't know what to teach. How can I do it? You can do it because you know the Bible. You can do it because you practice this. I started discipling people at 16. Do you think I knew anything at 16 when I was in the church and following Jesus for one year? I didn't know anything. But my youth pastor said, here's a list of names for the youth group. Why don't you start calling them and just start praying for them? I go, okay, sure. Well, how do I pray for people? <laughs> you know? And then you kind of walk me through. Okay, cool. Then ask them how the week's going. Okay, cool. And then when they talk to you about something, how would you respond? And I'm like, well, I don't know how to respond. How would you respond? He's like, well, no, you respond. God's with you. You respond, and we'll talk about it later. I started teaching people when I was 16. I don't know anything, okay? Did that all through my life. And I want to tell you, you're not called to teach people what I know. That's what I know. You're called to teach people what he taught you. God's taught me a lot. I've been following Jesus 25, almost 25 years. I've got two degrees in scripture. I love reading and learning. I mean, this is, I mean, again, I, I'm, I'm an analytical person. I got a lot. I know a lot. Oh, that sounds awesome, right? You are not called to teach what I know. He's with the disciples. He's with these 11 people that he taught and was with, and he says, teach what I've taught you. Your calling is for you. You teach what you know. 
I know a lot about following Jesus as a high school student, a college student, as an isolated single person. I know what it's like following Jesus as a, as a dad, a young dad, uh, married. I, I know what it, You teach what Jesus has taught you. And he is teaching each one of you in every season of life. Okay? Third, Jesus calls us to do this, or he calls us to do what he's empowered us to do. He's empowered you for few things. Biblically. He's empowered you to be a witness of him and his kingdom. He's empowered you to do this right here, to make disciples and to teach people. He has not empowered you to fill in the blank. Boy, I feel like he has sometimes, don't we? I really feel like he's empowered me to do X, Y, Z. No, he hasn't. I thought God empowered me to avoid suffering. That's what I thought when I was in high school and college. No, he empowered me to always win. I'm, I'm David. I'll, I'll kill the Goliath. God, I'm always going to win. He hasn't empowered you to do that. Jesus has empowered you to make disciples, to teach what you know. And, and the last thing I'm going to say about what this passage is Jesus calls us as a community. I'm telling you, church, think about this. Jesus came as a person to a people. He was with a people, and he's sending a people. The book of Acts is all about a people, a community. Okay? We have been isolated this past year and a half, but before that even, you have been isolated in your walk with Jesus. But he calls us as a community. He calls us as a group that is learning to follow him, and, and, a, and a witness for him. He calls us as a community. You were never meant to have, uh, to be alone in your spiritual walk. He, he birthed you in a biological family, and I believe that God gives every single person in humanity the opportunity to be a part of a spiritual family too. He does it in the physical and the biological. This is all the narrative through scripture. He will always give you an opportunity to have a spiritual family. I don't care how bad your brother and sister are. I don't care how bad your parents are. I don't care how hard it's been. All this. God will always give you a spiritual family. This is his actual promise to you. Because when Jesus came, he didn't simply forgive you of your sins, heal you. He also brought you into a community, a family, a worldwide family. Yes, I don't know the believers in, uh, in England right now or something or in Africa, you know. But God is giving you an opportunity and will your entire life to be part of a spiritual family. I know that's really big to say that. Can I prove that? I can probably do that and I can argue that later with you. But I'm telling you, I don't care what the world is. I don't care how bad it gets. You will always have the opportunity empowered by God to be a part of a spiritual family. Whether it's online digitally and you're doing Zoom or something and connecting with people, not just online, but it's a two-way thing, whether in person here, whether it's a neighbor, God will do that. It's actually his promise to us that when we are orphaned by our families and in this world, he will be our father. And he is our father. He's our father and mother, by the way. He's our father and mother to you as our orphans in this world. And he accepts you and adopts you in a family. And these are brothers and sisters you sit next to today and around the world and other parts, and you don't have to be a part of the church to be your brother, okay? He will give you that opportunity because this is his command and his promise 
to you. So as you are feeling stuck, I can't change X, Y, Z. Here's what God has given us an opportunity for, for spiritual family, for community to continue the discipleship process. If you hit pause on believing what Jesus said, becoming like him or being near him, this is not God's will for you. I feel so good to say that to people, right? People always ask, what's God's will? That's God's will for you, to still follow Jesus. Because this is difficult in this season, but some of you know this, I will tell you, it was really difficult to still follow and be a disciple and grow in these areas when I first became a parent. Oh my goodness. Or when I was single and you just felt alone all the time, how do I do this? Or when you've got uh, family members that you feel like they're your enemies. It's so hard to do this. Or in financial situations, we don't know how you're going to get through. How am I going to do this? This is so hard. But this is my point. This is life, church. And I don't want you to hit pause on discipleship in community. Because this is Jesus' path for you to get unstuck. The, you can argue that early church survived by the empowerment of God. Absolutely. The early church survived until today in 2021. This early church, somehow these people survived up to today. We, they survived, so we get to have this today. They survived not just because of the power of the Holy Spirit, but the power of the Holy Spirit in community and a spiritual family. This is what I'm trying to help you to hear today. Let me give you four reasons why this is so important. This is practical for you practical thinkers. First of all, um, It's not enough, to, not enough to be in your prayer closet, not enough just to read the Bible. Uh, it's not enough just to watch online things because uh, we learn from seeing people. We learn from seeing people. Their model becomes a lesson. It's not just a curriculum, a class. You will see this in people's lives. Jesus did this way. If you think of uh, the illustration of a family when you were younger, you know how you learned how to act? You saw your parents act. And you, have, you know how like sometimes you get like families together and the kids act differently and have different traditions and manners and all that kind of stuff? Why? Well, because they saw their parents and that's how they act, right? So it's like, hey, at our table, you know, we do this. Or, you know, hey, when we do this, we do this. You know, well, they learn from seeing, right? Have you ever tried to give a book to a two-year-old and here's how to act? They actually see first and feel first before they read and learn in that way. We learn from seeing people. In this last year and a half, if you haven't seen people, one of the reasons why you're stuck and feeling isolated and it's awful is because you're not being able to see people. You're not being able to see how someone reacts. You're not able to see how someone reacts to you. You're not able to see how someone experiences life, okay? Secondly, the reason why it's so important is how you learn and people grow and discipleship and spiritual growth and learning with people is uh, we experience God's love for people. We do. This is God's plan. This is God's plan. You will experience love, not just from nature. That feels good. Really does feel good. I love being in nature too. We were at the beach recently, felt great. But God's plan is experience love, his love from people. So if you're isolated, not just before the pandemic, but if you're feeling that way, nobody sees you, knows you, you're probably not feeling love. You're not probably feeling God's love. We experience God's love from people. I believe that all love is God's love. And we're the conduit of that. Uh, the, uh, in the psychological world, in the counseling world, you know, talk about getting unstuck is through people. And the reason why is because people are so powerful. They really are. Humanity is so powerful. People are amazing. 
the love they can give, the listening they can give. It's it's like, I mean, this is this is the way to get unstuck is to be with people. No counselor's ever gonna tell you, yeah, stay alone. Don't talk to people. Hide. Don't say anything. Don't do this. No, they're gonna say, it's gonna be crazy, it's gonna be hurt. Could you do one step? Could you text somebody? You know? Could you pick up that call when they call you? Can you reply to that text? Uh, this actually becomes um, a way how we sustain, how we endure, is when we receive love from people. Uh, and I'm, you know this, I'm an introvert. I mean, you know, I need alone time to recharge. But I don't use that as an excuse. I never did. I've been intro introvert my whole life. I never did. These pastors call me to call these people. I'm like, well, I don't want to call anybody. But I don't care. I got to follow Jesus. Okay? And people in community, this is part of it. Okay, give me a list. It's going to be awkward. But let's do it. Uh, third, we discover our blind spots from people. Well, I really wish I could just get this in the prayer closet. It'd be a whole lot easier. Well, less painful. But when you're living with people and they call you out, when you get married and they become a mirror to you, terrible feelings, right? At some point, we stop listening to our parents. What is that age? 11, 12? I don't know. Uh, we stop listening to our parents. So God's going to give us some other people to show us our blind spots. In work settings, uh, as a manager, I remember in a management situation, a secular job, I remember trying to sit down with people and explain to them, as a, an employee, what's going on. Just refuses to hear me. Just refuses. I'm like, you don't see this blind spot at all. Everybody hates you here. And I'm trying to explain this to you in a nice way, and you don't see it. You're the bad apple. We discover our blind spots from people, and I believe that you won't see some of those blind spots without people. Okay? People reflect us in ways we could never see ourselves. Now, some of those may be lies, okay? So you don't just take that as God, because God's truth. Bring it to Jesus. I've literally taken everything somebody's ever said about me and brought it to God. God, am I not a good listener? God, am I a critical person? God, why am I too harsh? God, is there something going on here? God, do I say one thing and do another? I've literally done that. I've lived in community. I was through college. Uh, in college, I had one time uh, four roommates. It was awesome. Uh, another time, I had seven roommates. It was kind of awesome. Uh, you know, being married, the pandemic. Oh my goodness, we're all stuck at home. We have, you know, everybody in our, and we're all, I need a break. What's happening here? These things are coming out of me. It's a mirror. We discover our blind spots from people and you will not get unstuck church by looking away from the mirror you won't and push our buttons things come out okay that's formation right there last one we understand our purpose when we're with people this is an important one it gives us some perspective when i see you on sundays people are coming right now uh, when i get what's with someone somewhere else, someone else. It kind of puts my life in perspective. Remember, listen, this world is about loving God and loving others. My purpose is right here. When I'm with my family, I remember, just remember, this is your purpose. There are some other things you think are your purpose, you think are great and all that. I can't do all these things or whatever. At the end of the day, when you're with people, it reminds you God's called us to love him with all of our heart, soul, and mind and love other people. This moment when I'm with somebody and I try to practice that moment when I'm with somebody is holy. And there's nothing more important than I'm, when I'm with that person. You know, it's a kid that's annoying me. I gotta figure it out. What would it take, Jesus, for me to be present right now? When I'm with somebody, it's an equalizer. It reminds me, it doesn't matter who the president is. It reminds me, it doesn't matter about the restrictions of this pandemic. 
It reminds me, it doesn't matter if I'm right or wrong. In this moment right now, my opportunity to love is my purpose. And when you're isolated, you'll get stuck and find some other ungodly purpose. You'll find some other purpose that's not loving people with all your heart. It's not loving people. You'll find some other purpose to fix people, to inform people, to educate people. And I can inform people and educate people. I can do that. That's part of my role. I get that. But that's not my primary purpose. Those are secondary and even further on down the line. If you don't, if I'm, when I'm with people, my job's not to inform them. But Jesus said to love him and love others. My job is for somebody to walk away with time with me and say, feel, feel God's love. That's literally my purpose in that moment. It's such a great equalizer for me, especially as an introvert. It's really good. That's perspective. Let me close by saying this. If we're going to fulfill this commandment, church, we're going to have to do it within community. You're going to have to do it within people, community. So here's the thing, okay? I want to challenge you, church, in this next season we're coming up on. Okay. I don't know how long this season's going to last. I don't know if schools are going to still stay in person. Who knows? That may be so bad they have to switch or something. We're seeing it happen in other states where they just have to close the whole school down. Well, that could happen, okay? Um... You know, we, you know, wearing face masks right now, they may reduce the percentage of number of people can be in a room, which then we'd have to make some adjustments. You know, all these things could be happening. And I want to challenge you today. What are you going to sacrifice to be in community? What are you going to sacrifice to follow Jesus in those three ways? Growing to be able to believe what he said, become like him, and to be near him. What will you sacrifice to do it? Okay? And hear me now. I don't mean what you need to sacrifice to be at church today. That's not what I'm saying. That's a part of it maybe for you. What will you have to sacrifice to connect with someone? What will you have to do to sacrifice? Maybe that is a Zoom prayer meeting with somebody once a week. Zoom is awkward, okay? Awkward. So. So. It's irritating to have to wear a face mask with people. I don't love face masks. I don't like it. So. It's really hard to do a port to visit or to remember to go see people or be connected with people. It's hard enough to have a normal world and talk about things that are hard in your life. And now we got to do it six feet away or, or online or through Zoom or this. I mean, so. So, I mean, you may have to ask somebody to make a bubble. Okay? You may say, listen, I, I want to follow Jesus and grow and I don't want to be isolated. I want to get unstuck here. Can we do a bubble? Yes, I recognize somebody may ask you to do a bubble, and that means you gotta say no to all these other thousand people who wanna hang with you. Do you have that problem? I have so many people wanna hang out with me, I have that problem. No, sorry, I can't hang out with these thousand people because that's just gonna be this one person, this one family. I don't know. Your sacrifice may be to uh, connect with someone that you know is outside of our church. Make the sacrifice. Are you kidding? If you need to do something with another church, or another, do it, church. What sacrifice are you going to make? 
how, what sacrifice will you make to be in community? You might have people at your house in a socially distanced way. You may want to use this room. We have this room 24 hours a day. Are you free at 2 o'clock in the morning? The space is open. I don't know. 10 o'clock at night? 8 a.m.? 7 a.m.? You can sit on one side of the room, the other room. What sacrifice will you make? This sounds so judgy, I know. This sounds like I'm being so harsh. But, I, but what I'm trying to get you to understand is that there is no discipleship without community. God always sent his people to be with the people. Always. And I, for my personal life, I can't do what I did this past year and a half. I'm starting to get a list of people. I'm thinking creatively. What would I have to do? Uh, let's talk about vaccines for a second. You know, I want to get vaccinated so I don't get my kids sick, but I get it. It's all kind of stuff about the vaccine. And just so you know, you read the news like I do, the way we're going is if you're not vaccinated, you're not going to be able to step out of your house. Let's face it, that's happening soon, okay? Well, then get vaccinated. I know all those other things you don't want to get vaccinated for. I'm just saying, we have to figure it out. You have to figure it out. Now, here's even something harder I'll say. Boy, I feel bold being old now. Are you only waiting on me to do it for you? Will you only come if I do a small group or a house church? Will you only answer my texts? Will you only come here and meet with me because I'm asking you to meet and share your sins with me? I've talked about that, but you know, just want to know what's going on in your life. Is it just me? What will you take responsibility for in this next year? Will you say, well, there's nobody here I like in our church? Okay. Okay. All these excuses you can come with. Okay. Well, nobody likes me. Okay. Why don't they like you? Okay. Well, you know, this or that, or it's too far, or I got kids. Okay. Well, I don't, people don't like the same. Okay. I mean, I just keep going on and on and on because Jesus leaves and he says to the disciples, make disciples. He's sending them as a group to and I'm going to challenge the church. What sacrifice will you make to believe what he said, to become like him, and to be near him through community? What will you do, church? Is it only if I do it for you? You know? And I'm so burdened by this in this last couple of months. I like thought that. Like, how can I do this for literally every single person in our church? I've actually thought that and have a plan. Say, okay, I could probably do it this way. If I took these people and I had this time and I could, do you understand what I, this is how burdened I am about this? And I also realized that I can't do this for you. And that's what kills me, this part. I can't do it for you. I can teach you the scriptures, okay? I can teach you rhythms. I can teach you all kinds of content. I mean, I could spend my life doing this. I've got plenty to teach you, but I realized I cannot do the relationship part. I can't do the community part for you. Um, and I'll close by saying this. Uh, this, uh, for one of my uh, birthday gifts, my wife knows I, I don't like gifts. You know, I tell my kids, don't give me anything. I just want a hug for my birthday. And then, you know, they don't do it because I ask them for a hug. Anyway, uh, <clears throat> you know, I, I remember, you know, other times in my life, I've had parties for my birthday and all that. I don't, those things aren't, I don't care about anything. Um, maybe my wife, you know, sent out a note to a few people to just write a, a a note about me or whatever and how it impacted their life, you know, and uh, it's probably one of the most meaningful gifts I've ever gotten. And 
over my life, you know, I've lived in different cities and different situations and people, and I've worked with people who aren't believers, you know, and all that, and I'm, you know, I, I'm reading through this, you know, just dozens of notes from people that I've, some I haven't talked to in a while, some I have, and, uh, you know, I'm just like tear so, you know, tearing up reading these things, and I just realized something. Uh, I've just spent my life doing discipleship. I spent my whole life building community, my whole spiritual life. I've done it with coworkers who aren't Christian. I've done it with, you know, neighbors. I've done it with whoever. Um, and I realized something that this has kind of become who I am. Something also is that it's totally doable. Uh, whatever challenges you're facing in life, whatever you've gone through, it's totally doable. And I want you to hear that. It's totally doable. The, the little things we can do. Now, it seems really hard in a pandemic, and it is, but it's always going to be hard in your life. And so I want to tell you, church, today, I know I've gone long a little bit today, but I want to tell you, church, today, you can do this. You will have to make a sacrifice. You're going to have to get rejected. You know how many people I've tried to connect with for discipleship over the course of my life, and they say no, or, you know, they ghost you or whatever. Okay, so, Jesus said to make disciples. You know how hard it is to make a disciple when you're working with somebody and they have cameras on you. I just work at a bank, they have cameras on you, you can't do this and all this kind of stuff. So I got there early and I found a spot off a camera and we do discipleship that way. Right? I prayed with customers, I prayed with coworkers, I've prayed with you in the church, I've prayed with every people in my home. I mean, listen, you can do this church, and I'm telling you, you gotta do this. You'll never get unstuck otherwise. It's gonna be hard, it's gonna be irritating. People are hard and irritating. But listen, Jesus calls us to make disciples, and it's got to be in community. Uh, I'm going to have Nathan do our last song. This is a hard message to hear, I know, but I want you to hear me, church. This is the way of Jesus. Um, yeah, let me pray for you, and then I'll have Nathan do our last song. Jesus, we want to get unstuck. We, Lord, want to be able to see you. We, Lord, do not want the lies of shame and pain and fear to be our truth. So, Lord, I just pray for the courage of our church to build community with people outside of our church, with people in our church, with people their age, with people not their age, with people the color the same color of their skin, with people with different color of their skin, uh, different color skin of them, and people who are different in different ways. Jesus, Lord, I pray that this would be so important, so vital, no matter the challenge, we'll do it. I pray for boldness, Lord, of our community. To sacrifice something, some some convenience, some comfort, some time, some annoyance, some irritation, to begin to be in community, no matter a pandemic or not. Jesus, I pray that for our church, that we would continue to follow you, to believe what you said, become like you, and be near you, no matter the challenge, God. We say yes, Lord. In Jesus' name.